people called on me to talk about how the prophetic and how deliverance, uh, you know, come together and how they work with one another. And I thought that was funny because this is what I feel that the Lord is doing. And he's going to do this in 2023. The people that were riding the deliverance wave and it's still going, I don't think it'll ever stop. Deliverance is, is the revival. It's a, it's part of the revival, right? It's, it's the, it's part of what God is going to do in these last days. He's bringing all the gifts back to the forefront. But what now is going to happen is direction and correction will come in this next season with how this deliverance has come to the forefront. I believe we're coming into a season where we're going to see a new guard, a new breed of prophets that are rising in this season. Um, And that is to bring stability to what deliverance has brought on the scene and also to, 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 to come together with these Jehus that are out there to come together, to come side by side in this season to, to help this revival, watch this, maintain course, maintain good steam because the problem with old revivals is they all lost steam because they lost their way somewhere. I need you to hear me. I need you to pay attention, pay very close attention to what I'm going to say because this is very, 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 very critical stuff. So there are three areas God told me to warn the church in 2023. And I want you to, again, pay close attention, maybe write these things down, take note of them, and pray about them. And judge this and, and consider this and, and just, just take heed if possible. Well, here's what I believe the Holy Spirit um, is has impressed upon my heart as to for the year of 2023. And it will be a time uh, and the rise of the Jehus. Um, the rise of the wild ones um, who will be sanctioned by God um, um, to be able to confront uh, systems that have been oppressing God's people. Um, and they're not going to have that religious, you know, piety and policy minded like most of us have that we're always thinking about the rules and the regulations now i'm not talking about a revolutionary but i am talking about the rise of a reformer mm-hmm. you know um it's not called the protestant revolution it's called the protestant reformation why because a revolutionary wants to destroy the system and implement a new system a, re- a reformer uh, wants to upgrade the system. The word that the Lord gave me, and I'm going to just launch into this and just stay with me, okay, is the word establish. I believe that many of you have been feeling like you're going through a transition. You've been feeling like, man, I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not where I'm supposed to be. But I believe that the Lord in 2023 is going to establish many people. He's going to establish ministries. He's going to establish entrepreneurship and businesses. And this is the year of being established. I also believe like a Joseph, there's many people who've been going through uh, a long season of being misunderstood, rejected, a long season of actually going through a process and knowing that God is guiding that process, but saying, God, when is this actually going to turn into a blessing? When is this not going to be a burden? It's going to be a blessing. I saw the word extreme. As the Lord began to lay out the year of 2023, I saw the word extreme and the Lord began to speak to me about this word and God began to lay out different extremes that we were going to see. 
in the year of 2023. It's time that we release something into the ground and say, I am securing what God has said over my new year. So we've heard the word of the Lord tonight. We've worshiped God tonight. And some of you are watching this on replay because I've asked my staff to play this multiple times because I, I want people to hear and hear and hear these prophetic instructions to frame their year with these. And so uh, we're going to prepare a seed. Psalms 107.9 says, He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Deuteronomy 28, 12 and 13 said, The Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens to give rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You, listen, shall lend unto many nations and shall not borrow. I decree a lending capacity that God accelerates you, that God upgrades you, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above and not beneath. So what well, What do you want to seed into your next year? Hear me, man of God. Hear me, woman of God. What is your prophetic proclamation over your next year? What is the greatest thing you could put in the ground? They say, I'm agreeing with these words tonight. I'm agreeing with this atmosphere today. I'm declaring over my year, this word is for me, that I will be blessed in my storehouse with too much. My, everything I put my hands to will be blessed. And that uh, I will be blessed with lands. I will get that home. I will get that investment property. What is the seed? Uh, I'm going to challenge some people. If $100 is a challenge for you, I want you to begin to prepare a $100 seed. Every year, there is an influx of prophetic words released by those claiming to hear the voice of God and what he is saying for the new year. There are so many words circulating online that it can be difficult, if not impossible, to keep track and to keep those accountable who claim to prophesy and to be prophets. Well, today we are going to be listening to some of these prophetic words and see if Scripture agrees with their words. And if you've listened to my podcast for any length of time, you know my background and how much I value the Word of God. Anyone claiming to speak for God is espousing tremendous authority in what they say. And this is noted time and time again in Scripture with the prophets of God. And we also see what false prophets had to say to God's people and the consequences of those actions. I hope as you listen to this today that you return to Scripture for testing all things and that you recognize the seriousness of claiming to speak for God. As always, I will offer some thoughts for consideration as a former prophet in this movement and as a student of God's holy word. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Six Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the word and loving the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Six Scribe. I have a word for you today I will share at the end, and it is more than a single word, as so many claim today. If you search online for prophetic words for 2023, you are going to be met with a plethora of presumed prophecy. I have chosen four different videos to test containing claims of prophecy for 2023, and though we're not going to go in depth into all four videos, I am going to look at some areas of them that stood out to me as I listened to all of them and the areas that I wanted to examine and to test against scripture. Now, several of these are people I have covered in the past, so I wanted to have some consistency and to, I was curious. I wanted to see what some of these people were saying. So I did look at quite a few, but I picked out some of these 
that we had been looking at recently with deliverance ministry because they're now espousing as well that they are hearing from God and that they are going to prophesy. And speaking of deliverance ministry, we are going to start with Daniel Adams, who you've heard on this podcast before. He's one of the individuals that espouses to be a demon slayer, and he works alongside uh, Isaiah Saldivar, Alexander Pagani, Jenny Weaver, Mike Signorelli, Vlad Savchuk, several of, of these individuals that claim to do deliverance ministry and that they are casting out demons out of born-again believers, I might add. Well, now that they're adding to prophecy here, Daniel Adams released about five days ago, I believe, he released a video concerning 2023, and I wanted to share some of that with you. So let's see what Daniel has to say about what God allegedly told him for 2023. I do have something on my heart that I believe the Lord has revealed to me for the body as a whole, not not just for the world per se, but my word for 2023 is more so for the church and for what I believe God is doing in this new season that we're going into of the church, and I'm going to elaborate this on a little bit more, but I do want to I do want to bring something up really fast. Okay, we see in Amos three seven it says this: Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but He revealeth His secret unto His servants the prophets. So what this is saying right here is that God does nothing without revealing it first to His servants the prophets. In the first two minutes that He is on His broadcast. He begins to open up about everybody's got a word. There are a lot of people that are um, dropping prophetic words for 2023, and he, you know, he has one as well. So he wants to talk about it. But what Daniel Adams says here is he immediately goes to Amos 3.7. This is a go-to passage in this movement, in the prophetic movement, the NAR, hypercharismatic movement. When you're talking about prophets and prophetic, a lot of people will go to this passage in Amos 3.7 that God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. Now that sounds all well and good. You take Amos 3.7 by itself, and if you want to appropriate it that way, which I always found interesting, he's not the only one that I heard say this. I heard quite a few um, say this particular passage when they were talking about the prophetic. But it's, it's, it's interesting to me now about how many in this movement will say the prophets today are able to be fallible, but they're not like the Old Testament prophets. Yet they will use the verses like this in the Old Testament to coerce others into listening to them, such as Second Chronicles 2020, talking about that you will be um, successful if you listen to the prophets. The key is reading this in context. So even if we back up um, to verse 1, of Amos 3, we see it says, Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel. So that's the audience, Israel in the Old Testament, against the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? Does a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Does a, li- a young lion cry out from his den if he has not taken, if he has taken nothing? Does a bird fall on a snare or on the earth where there is no trap? Does a snare spring up from the ground when it has taken nothing? Is a trumpet blown in a city and the people are not afraid? Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? Verse 7, For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. 
So in the previous verses, prior to verse seven, there are these examples given. And the answer to these is no. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? No. Does a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? No. Does a young lion cry out from his den if he has taken nothing? No. So you can see the answers to those. So God is making it clear through Amos God is revealing the the judgment that's coming to Israel, and he brought it through the prophets. He brought it time and time and time again through the hundreds of years that in their kingdoms and even and to tell them that they were being taken into captivity and continued to prophesy to them through the captivity because of their idolatry and their wor- their false worship, um, turning away from the ways of God. This is the this is the general context of Amos 3:7. It doesn't have anything to do with people today that are claiming to be modern day prophets and saying, "Well, you need to listen to us because God's revealed his secrets to us." This also too in a way whether it's intended or unintended by the the person saying it, they may be using it in a way to deter questioning or judging and to say God is speaking to me. So if you are using this verse like Daniel Adams is, then he is identifying himself as a prophet and he is to be judged with righteous judgment according to scripture. Just like I was to be when I was saying that I was a prophet in this movement, nobody escapes judgment or critique from saying God told me A, B, C, D, E, F, G. There's no negating that. There's no escaping that. And we are able, we are even instructed in scripture and to to judge with righteous judgment and to test all things. So that's what we're going to do today. Daniel went on during this. He talked about the past few years and how it had affected the world. It affected the church, that the church was not supposed to uh, go in hiding and, and to be silenced. And he talked about the deliverance ministry being more relevant during this time in the past few years, that it really exploded. It came on the scene, according to him, and people were uh, really showing that they were bound up. And so they were having outdoor services. He said, I'm not going to name names, but there were people that refused to bow to this and that they would, um, that they continue to have services and that he was one of them and that the deliverance ministry became more relevant. And so he referenced Amos uh, 3.7 yet again about the 450 mark. And then close to about the a six minute mark, which is what I played at the beginning, he talked about the prophetic word that there was a new guard of prophets coming and the Jehus were going to join with them. Now, what I found interesting is that he was not the only one that prophesied about Jehus. There was another word regarding Jehus rising this year, and that came from Alexander Pagani. And I want to play that now and to discuss the scripture as to what they are talking about, because I just found it very interesting. There were some things that were not mentioned, barely any scriptures mentioned, might I add, when you hear these prophetic words. So we're going to look at scripture to see a little bit more in depth as to who Jehu was, the prophecies about him, where the prophecies came from, who fulfilled the prophecies. And we're going to talk about, are you a Jehu? Are you supposed to be Jehu? Let's find out. This is what I believe the Holy Spirit um, is has impressed upon my heart as to for the year of 2023. And it will be a time uh, and the rise of the Jehus, um, the rise of the wild ones um, who will be sanctioned by God um, um, to be able to confront uh, systems that have been oppressing God's people, um, and they're not going to have that religious, you know, piety and 
policy minded like most of us have that we're always thinking about the rules and the regulations now i'm not talking about a revolutionary but i am talking about the rise of a reformer know is we we're here to obey god and these group of individuals are not going to be restrained by religion they're not going to be boggled down by uh church tenants and dogma of various uh denominational uh mainline denominations and i'm not talking about you know uh insurrection i'm not talking about you know people usurping pastoral and ecclesiastical authority no i'm not talking about that because that that's that's unauthorized but i am talking about someone who would be fearless whose personalities you're gonna see the rise of people immensely anointed but whose personalities are not refined like jehu as much as elijah was bold he was afraid of jezebel he just finished confronting 850 false prophets and had them all killed afterwards right and then one message from jezebel and he takes off running why because that in that prophetic group there there's this submission to particular rules and regulations she's the queen mother and he had to run jehu doesn't care about none of that stuff could care less you're gonna see uh, a wave of digital jehu's who will be able to confront uh systems of religion systems of of sin systems of uh jezebelic systems um and they're gonna actually be the ones to actually tear it down but elisha and elijah played too much into the politics of the church in 2023 you're gonna see a wave of deliverance or just a wave of ministers who are not going to play those politics anymore and no one is going to be able to write them off saying don't listen to that ministry they're rebellious people people are still going to listen to them even (laughs) churches where their pastors are against those ministries their own leadership are still going to listen to these ministers why because there is a hunger there is a desire in churches even churches that don't do uh, revival and have might have lost their cutting edge in this in their spirit or anything prophetic you're gonna find that even in those camps there's a group of people that are desiring that and they're gonna and the only way that, that that's gonna change is gonna require there to be a jail so i prophetically uh believe that there's gonna be a wave of of raw personality but anointed to confront systems and shake things up and no one is going to be able to stop them and social media will be the means by way by which this is done. Now those clips from Alexander Pagani were featured as a compilation uh, through Charisma Media. So I wanted to share those and we'll come back to Charisma's compilation in just a minute. There's one other individual I want to I want to briefly examine, but let's talk about the scripture for just a little bit because we need to camp out on this. It's very important because this is not the first time, by the way, this stuff gets recycled a lot. This is not the first time that someone has ever said, oh, the Jehus are arising. Oh, you're going to have the Jehu anointing. I don't know how many times I heard that <laughs> throughout the years, along with a lot of other things that were said that, you know, the Esters and the Debras, and you're going to hear the Debras here today as well. But regardless, it's always the same thing. You're going to have the John the Baptist anointing. Somebody else's anointing other than being a believer in Christ and conforming to the image of Christ. It always seems like we're going to have somebody else's um, anointing and we're taking up all these mantles. But are we really supposed to be doing that? And are we supposed to be Jehu in that capacity? 
because I think that we are like Jehu in, in a certain capacity, but I'll touch on that near the end of this uh, discussion of it. But Jehu was one that was anointed to be king and to also take down the dynasty of Ahab. And we can go back to, for instance, we'll, we'll start in 2 Kings chapter 9. In 2 Kings chapter 9, we begin in verse 1. It says, Then Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Tie up your garments and take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. And when you arrive, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, who is not King Jehoshaphat that's talked about in Chronicles, by the way, son of Nimshi, and go in and have him rise from among his fellows and lead him to an inner chamber. Then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, thus says the Lord, I anoint you king over Israel, then open the door and flee. Do not linger. So this came to pass. um, Elisha was actually the one that sent a son of a prophet to go take a flask of oil and to anoint Jehu as king. What's interesting, though, is when you back up to 1 Kings 19, you begin to see the initial mention of this that God tells Elijah after he fled from Jezebel. And we don't know why he fled. And there's lots of people that debate about that. And Pagani is now reading into that as well, something different than a lot of people say. But regardless of that, Elijah fled. And we hear that the Lord speaks to Elijah audibly, I might add. It was not an internal small voice, a still small voice within. It was an outward audible voice that Elijah heard. As we go on to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 16, we read, And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. God speaking to Elijah here. And he tells him, And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. We see here that part of the instruction that God gives to Elijah is he is to anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, as well as to find his successor, Elisha, to follow him and to take up his call as the prophet. So this is the first mention of it that we see here. We also can turn to 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 20 through 23. This is after the Lord condemns Ahab because of how he handled the issue with with uh, with the vineyard and Naboth. And we see here, beginning in verse 20, Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? He answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up and will cut off from Ahab every male, bond or free, in Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah, from the anger to which you have provoked me, and because you have made Israel to sin. Let me just add this in here, too, so that way, because it sounds like that Elijah is being smeared in uh, Pagani's discussion about him. But verse 23, and of Jezebel, the Lord also said, the dogs shall eat Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel. Anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs shall eat. And anyone of his who dies in the open country, the birds of the heavens shall eat. I also find it very interesting, too. I also find it very interesting, too. When you hear a lot of these people talk about the prophetic movement, they are very easy and very quick to try to find fallacy within these prophets in how they conducted themselves. Let's remember, first of all, they're not God, but second of all, they are fallible men. But when it came to the, the actual prophetic of what God instructed them to do, they did it. And when they spoke, it was infallible, which is far more than what I can say for what's going on today in the modern prophetic movement and what's being taught in that. 
and the air that's being allowed and then make it and then playing semantics with, well, you're not a false prophet if you get a, a prophecy wrong. There's a lot of this that goes on when talking about this is that they'll pay lip service to the prophets in, in scripture, but then they want to you know, talk smack about them. And yes, they were fallible men. And Elijah fled from Jezebel because he was a fallible man. He came under fear. That was not a demon or anything like that. He came under fear and he fled. And God asked him, what are you doing here? And he thought he was alone. He thought he was the only prophet that hadn't bowed to, to Baal. And God corrected him on that as well to encourage him and to correct him, to let him know you're not the only one. There's 7,000 other prophets that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. So there's a lot of parts in there. I would encourage you to read those passages in full. First Kings 19, read the whole Bible. But if you're going to study this, read First Kings 19, read First Kings 20, 21, read the passages about dealing with the prophets of Baal. The whole point of this is to make sure you have your Bible open when anybody is talking about what scripture has to say and it's just vital that we do that. And the other thing too, I wanted to point out, I found this uh, article on Ligonier's website that talked about Jehu anointed king of Israel. And it goes back to second Kings nine. So let's circle back around there for just a minute. And what we need to remember yet again, about this article, and I'll post the link to it so you can read it, is that there was a prophecy given that was going to bring uh, the Lord's judgment because of what Ahab did to Naboth's family. And we can see when we read in 1 Kings 21 that Ahab repented. And because of his repentance, God was merciful by extending the time for this judgment to pass in response to his repentance. That's something else we need to take note of, is that God's grace and mercy was evident in the Old Testament, even to wicked kings that were worshiping and causing uh, worshiping false gods and causing all of Israel to go astray and to worship false gods as well. We can see over and over and over again the patience or the long suffering of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, but we also cannot ignore the judgment because there are consequences to sin. That's another topic for another day. I guess, if unless we're talking about false prophets, which I am going to touch on today, with that, some scriptures to shed to, to point you to so you can read them and study them on your own time. But this article talks about the judgment that came, but it was delayed, it was extended because God extended it in response to Ahab's repentance. And he even brings it to Elijah's attention. God doesn't say, Did, have you seen that Ahab repented of this? And so God told Elijah, because he's a, he has humbled himself in verse 29 of chapter 21, he has humbled himself before me. I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days, I will bring the disaster upon his house. So we see that there is a consequence to sin. As we go on looking at this, I want you to also notice something else. And we know that Jehu was the one that, that he was the one that brought down Ahab's dynasty. And he did fulfill that prophecy that God told Elijah. I thought it was interesting too to note, Elijah was told by God to anoint Jehu, but it was Elisha that anointed Jehu in 2 Kings 9. And then as we go on into 2 Kings 10, beginning in verse 28, here we see that Jehu reigns in Israel. After all of this has been taken care of, he executed Jezebel first. He slaughtered Ahab's descendants. He he struck down the prophets of Baal. And now we see in uh, 2 Kings chapter 10, beginning in verse 28, that he now reigns in Israel. And I wanted to read this to you. It's very interesting to point out. 
Thus Jehu wiped out Baal from Israel, but Jehu did not turn aside from the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin, that is, the golden calves that were in Bethel and in Dan. And the Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in carrying out what is right in my eyes, and have done to the house of Ahab according to all that was in my heart, your sons of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel." But Jehu was not careful to walk in the law of the Lord, the God of Israel with all his heart. He did not turn from the sins of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin. So what's interesting is that he did what was right in God's sight as far as fulfilling the prophecy, but he still, because he was a fallible, sinful man, still in need of a savior, by the way, even in the Old Testament, everybody in the, in the Old Testament was in need of a savior. He still sinned. He is not our model, is my point. He is not our model. Our model is Christ. Now, we are like Jehu in the sense that we sin as well. We have fallen short of the glory of God, and we need Jesus Christ to save us, to cleanse us from our sin. We need the Messiah. We need God's forgiveness. That's how we're like Jehu. But we're not called to be Jehu right now. And that whole thing, it just it's self-exaltation. And you'll notice in these prophetic words, and I'll probably repeat myself, that it's all about self, whether, again, that's intended or unintended. God is mentioned on the side, little dash, little dash of Jesus in there. Make sure we mention God, tip our hat to the scriptures, say that you need to be biblically literate, which one of these alleged prophets says that. I noticed a few people that were saying, we need to get back to the word of God. I thought, well, then we don't need to be listening to you, <laughs> to your prophecies, because we need to be getting back to scripture. That is the more sure word of prophecy. You'll hear these people say these things like this, and they'll they'll pay homage in certain ways and pay the lip service to Scripture, but then they're not walking that walk, if you will. There's not the fruit there to to, to show that they are truly presenting the Scripture rightly divided. I wanted to to touch on that because I thought it was important, especially with people regurgitating these words and saying these things of the Jehus are arising and, and whoever. You're not supposed to be like them. The point is you are supposed to be like Christ. You are to be conformed to the image of Christ. And that is who you are to every day to, be, to progressively be sanctified by the Holy Spirit and be have your mind renewed by the Word of God. That's who you're supposed to be conformed to, to Christ. You're not supposed to be like Jehu. If you're supposed to be like Jehu, God help you. Because that means you're still sinning and that you are supposed to be like a fallible man. No, don't look to these people to be like them. Look to Christ. He is your Savior. Let me get off my soapbox and I'll move on. As we continue on with Daniel Adams, he says that the old guard was bucking deliverance, which he called it an old wineskin. And he said that their relevance had ran out. They're going to fight it a little bit until they find out that, that, that their relevance, oh, this is a tough word, their relevance has ran out because they refused to jump on the ship where God was going. They thought they had the way and God showed them the moment you think that you have the way I do a new thing to confound your your wise ways, you see, that you're wise in your own way, okay? He confounds the wisdom of those who are wise. That's what he's doing. Those who are wise in their own own own, own ways, he comes and he does something that just messes them all up. And when these kind of things happen, you either got to jump on the boat or you go and attack it and then you become less relevant. Yeah, so he's referencing 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 there, which states, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Again, I would encourage you 
take some time to look at the context of that. That is not the context of what it says, of, of what he's implying there. He continues to go on and say that they will not get to be in the history books if they don't humble themselves and get on board with what God is doing in the new. There's one more uh, clip I wanted to play for this. And um, he, and by the way, near the end of this word that he gives, he says this is his word that he is giving. I just thought that was another interesting point. But he continues to talk about the prophetic coming at about uh, 10 minutes and 45 seconds into the video. Uh, revival is kicking. And in 2023, you're going to see prophecy. I'm telling you, you're going to see the prophetic come in a wave like you've never seen before uh, when these people are releasing prophetic words. And, and, you know, I believe I'm part of this. I'm just going to tell you straight up. I'm, I, you know, it's it, one of the things I'm learning in my life is, is humility is not, there's no such thing. False humility is still pride is what I'm saying. So I, I believe I'm one of them people, if you want me to be real. I'm just going to tell you straight up. I'm seeing where I'm going. I'm seeing how I'm moving. I see the gift, certain gifts in my life are increasing, and I know it's because I've asked the Lord to do it, and I want more, and I want to go deeper into things of God. I want I want to jump into depths of the Lord that, and dimensions of the Lord that I may have never known about. I want that. I do. And I know he's given me everything, but i got to access that. And that takes intimacy with the Lord and also uh, learning from people that have, have went and paid the price for that. See? All right. So we'll stop with Daniel Adams for today. The next video we're going to listen to will go back to the compilation from Charisma for 2023. And we're going to hear from another uh, um, professing demon slayer, Mike Signorelli. Let's see what the word of the Lord was that he was given um, for 2023. But the word that the Lord gave me, and I'm going to just launch into this and just stay with me, okay, is the word establish. I believe that many of you have been feeling like you're going through a transition. You've been feeling like, man, I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not where I'm supposed to be. But I believe that the Lord in 2023 is going to establish many people. He's going to establish ministries. He's going to establish entrepreneurship and businesses. And this is the year of being established. I also believe like a Joseph, there's many people who've been going through uh, a long season of being misunderstood, rejected, a long season of actually going through a process and knowing that God is guiding that process, but saying, God, when is this actually going to turn into a blessing? When is this not going to be a burden? It's going to be a blessing. So he talked about establishing Joseph's as well and, and about being established and being affected by those who were jealous of them stating that there have been people that were rejected and, and that people were jealous of them, but they were going to be established in 2023. Does anyone else ever get the impression and forgive me? I mean, I said stuff like this too, that was very vague and generic as I've talked about several times on podcasts, but has anyone else ever noticed how much these words sound like advice? They're not prophetic. It's more like advice that you're giving to a friend or they're very general and they focus on self rather than Christ, as I mentioned already. They, they are very much self-focused, self-centered, not Christ-centered, self-centered. And it makes me think of Revelation 19. The, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The scripture testifies over and over again of Christ. In the Old Testament, types and shadows, the prophets are testifying, the law is pointing back to Christ. Everything is pointing back to Christ. This does not point back to Christ. These things that are said, take note of that. It's always pointing back to you. You've been wrong. Someone misunderstood you. People are jealous of you. They've rejected you, but you're going to be established this year. I mean, I could, I could crack open a fortune cookie at, uh, at Panda Express and find something in there that's similar 
to this. That's, that's just, it could apply to anybody. And it's all, and it's about you. It's always self-centered. And as a side note, I thought it was interesting. I snagged a screenshot the other day too of, um, a prophetic word, a quote prophetic word for 2023, speaking of 2023. This is this is relevant, but I want to interject this here. This was from Destiny Encounters, which this is Charlie Shamps. He says he's an apostle, but he's not an apostle. He uh, Charlie Shamp is um, the overseer of this ministry, and he said, a prophetic word for you in 2023. You shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. There shall be no premature death for you or anyone in your family. The devourer is rebuked and removed. You will fulfill the destiny that God has for you in Jesus' mighty name. You know, again, that's why I bring that up, the whole kind of like fortune cookie thing. And uh, I know that Doug and Holly have talked about the in that in the book, in the Counterfeit Kingdom book. And I agree with that. There's a lot of this fortune cookie prophecy that goes around. But even just reading that from Charlie Champ reminded me of this as well. And that, and this is not a personal attack on Mike Signorelli or Charlie Champ or anything. This is just to highlight the generality of these words. They're feel-good words. They try to sprinkle in some things that are from Scripture to make them valid and to to justify them, but they're feel-good words and they're for anybody. They're just like a, it's like a shotgun approach. It just, it's a, and it's a blank or a blanket approach. It's just anybody could have this. It could apply to anyone. And that's not prophecy. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> it's not how any of this works. Just read the Bible. So he talks about that, about people being jealous and being rejected and that they're going to be established this year. He goes on to say this about the prophetic word about being rejected and being uh, people being jealous of, of others. The Lord's also been speaking to me significantly about relationships, and he's going to change your circles to change your levels. And you've decided, I'm not going to be bitter. I am not going to fight a spirit with the same spirit, okay? And so they they were the ones throwing the, the saws javelins. They were the ones that were putting you in prison. They were the ones that were operating out of this spirit of competition, but you said, I'm going to be bitter and I am not going to, I'm going to be better, not bitter. And in other words, I'm not going to operate in that same spirit. And as a result of that, God is promoting you, promoting you, promoting you. Yep. Being established, being promoted, but he does give a warning at the end that those God but he does give a warning that those um, God sins will look and talk different and that we are not to, to look and listen with natural eyes and don't, don't reject people for certain reasons. Again, this is really good advice that you could give to your friend. This is not prophecy. This is not a prophetic word. There's a lot of things here that are just pointing to vague generalities and some of it that's frankly not really pointing back to the truth of Scripture. Uh, the next person I wanted to cover was Kenan Bridges. Now, I have not covered him before, but I did come across this prophetic word that he shared uh, recently about 2023. And I thought that this would be good to share because he used D words. That's all the, the all the D words he wanted to focus on. He had three areas that God told him to warn the church about in 2023. And the first one was deception. And he said that there was going to be strong delusion and I cannot agree more, but I don't think we would agree on what he means by strong delusion right now um, as far as what he's saying. But uh, the strong delusion would come and the need to be biblically literate is needed. I could not agree more with that statement. I'm talking about deception in media, deception in the religious mountain, the church mountain, deception in the political mountain, deception in business. There would be deception in so many areas. And that we needed to guard our hearts and our mind against deception. 
talked about we needed to guard our hearts and minds against delusion or against deception. I would agree with that. What he is saying, I doubt he would agree with me on the same thing. And you do need to be biblically literate. It's very important that you're biblically literate. I do agree with him in his statement. But in the in this a context of you need to understand so you don't listen to these people because they're not prophets. They're leading you astray. They're leading you into delusion and, de- and deception. He also talked about another D word, distractions. Of course, he didn't say these are three Ds, but I happen to pick up on that. And that's another thing too. You'll notice people, the people that say they're prophets, they get one word, establish, acceleration, reset. God gave me three areas. Deception, distractions was a second one. Disappointment and despair. He had all the all D words and the distractions he talked about were political issues, wars, food shortages, global conflict. And I would just remind you what Matthew 24 says. These are all birth pains. These are all things Jesus told that this in scripture that this these things would happen. We're not to be surprised by all these things. And also these are current issues that are going on. These are have been current issues that are going on. This is not prophecy. <laughs> This is being aware of what's going on in the news and then saying that God's telling you this, but it's in the news. And then ascribing that you're a prophet and that you want to warn people. If you want to warn people about deception and distractions, great. But you don't have to say that God told you to do it for it to be effective, for it to be powerful or even to be valid. But when we're stamping God's name on something, then people automatically are believing there's authority with it. There is authority. When God speaks, it's authoritative. He does not speak unauthoritatively. When someone is saying, God told me, then we are obligated to follow the instructions. It's not a suggestion from God. It's you follow the instructions. So you need to be aware of that. When these people are saying that, when they're saying God told me, they're putting authority behind what they're saying. Whether, again, whether I don't know the intents of his heart, but whether they mean to or not, they're putting authority behind it and it manipulates people because it manipulates them to think I need to listen to this person and I can't question them because if I question them, then I'm going to be coming against God. Because of all the things that these people have taught through the years of saying that you don't touch God's anointed, which is misappropriated scripture, all these different areas that they'll say to people, and it shuts down the whole critical thinking, it shuts down the ability to analyze something, to test against scripture, to judge with righteous judgment, as we are told in scripture to do, as Jesus himself said to do about with righteous judgment. He talked about that he that there were going to be these issues that were going to arise. Well, what are these things? You know, he never was specific about that. Does God speak in vague ways? When you look in Scripture and when you see prophets, did they speak with such vague understanding, with such general understanding, or were they specific? Because God doesn't miss anything. I want you to think about that. Honestly, think about that and, and give an honest answer when you consider and ponder this, this question. He also talked about disappointment and despair, and he referenced about reminding people of Jesus, saying that there are many rooms in his father's house, and talking about how we're to have confidence coming before God, and he spoke of the infect, that there would be more talk of infectious disease, and that there would also be, be an increase in miracles, signs, and wonders. And I just thought that this was interesting, uh, just again, a, a very vague word, general word. You know, there's always a little bit of truth sprinkled in some of these words, but you really need to watch and to test and to see, is this really from God? Does this pass the test of, of being a prophecy? 
I really don't even recommend listening to these people. The reason why I listen is so that I can present these things to you. Or if you want to share this podcast with somebody that needs to hear it, then help them to understand more biblically what's going on here, because this happens every year. I mean, prophetic words, quote, prophetic words are coming out every year. And this is a good exercise, I believe, to help us once again, to go back to to test things against scripture, because that is our ultimate authority. The final video we will look at today comes from Atlanta Hub, where Ryan Lestrange held a New Year's Eve prophetic service. And in case you're wondering, the clip I played near the beginning of the podcast today was from this very service where he interjected at times with his own prophetic word from the Lord for this year, which he said that the word that the Lord had given him was sobriety. And he called for an offering at the end of this service to sow into this year. Now, this practice is not foreign to me, as we did this for years under his ministry, and sowing was to prepare the ground, so to speak, for the coming year and to expect a harvest from what you sowed. So you may be told in instances like this that if you receive a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Has anybody ever heard that? That's a reference to Matthew 10, 41, um, implying if you give to the prophet, you'll get you'll get in return, you'll reap a blessing. I would just, again, encourage you to go to Matthew 10, 41 and urge you to study that in its context. So having said that, uh, he, along with three other individuals, shared what the Lord had told them about 2023. And Jenny Weaver, who has also been one of the self-professing demon slayers, she was on this broadcast that they did. So I wanted to share specifically what she talked about. There were two other individuals that shared, but I wanted to focus on her um, because of her affiliation with the other individuals I shared today. But Jenny Weaver was the first one to deliver her message, and the word God gave Jenny was extreme. Begin to speak to me about extreme obedience. The Lord began to show me that there was a season of grace for his people because he had been maturing his people to listen and be sensitive to his word. But we are now coming upon the age where he is demanding and commanding extreme obedience. And for many of you, you've been riding the fence and many of you, you overanalyze and you take your sweet time with what God has given you. But in this year that we're coming upon, God is saying, I am commanding and demanding extreme obedience from my people. I have a question. When does God not command us to obey him in scripture? I mean, that would be far better, don't you think, to point back to the Word of God to, to say that. Sadly, what happened, and she was not the only one, so not one person opened their Bibles that I saw and read from Scripture that I looked at. Not one person did that. They were actually focusing on what they said God gave them or the visions that they had or the dreams that they had or what they felt like God was speaking to them. Um, or what they believe God told them. Again, you will not find prophets in Scripture. It said, well, I feel like God told me, or I believe this is a word of the Lord. They spoke with authority because it was God speaking through them by the Spirit. But not one, it was, and even then it wasn't till the end that she mentioned Scripture. It was not until the end that she mentioned the word of God, the actual word of God. And I find, I just find that sad. Again, there's a lip service paid to the word of God, to the written word of God, but it's treated very irreverently, very disrespectfully. What we believe that God is telling us personally, that is exalted. That is actually made equal with Scripture, even though people will say, well, that's not really true. I don't believe what uh, I hear from God is equal to Scripture. But if, you, if God is saying it, then why is it not? 
Why is what you say as God telling you any less authoritative or less powerful than what what his written word says? There's a disconnect there. And, and again, I think that there is a level of irreverence that's taken and um, very flippantly saying, well, you know, God told me this or the Lord told me this or the Holy Spirit told me this. And we're not acknowledging that we're attributing something to God that we can't firmly say that he said or did not say. And that is problematic. But she goes on in this to talk about a, a vision that she had of a field and the, the word assignment that she saw all over the field. And then when she asked God about it, God told her they were assignments people had dropped on the ground and some were time sensitive and they had expired. And she went on to expound on this as far as uh, what that meant and that God would allow some people to pick their assignments back up again that had not expired and they would be able to do things as long as they operated in extreme obedience, extreme obedience. So it's all dependent on you. God can't do what, what, and I know she didn't say this, but it does seem like when you say that, well, God can't do what he wants to do because you're not doing what you should be doing. And that makes God at our mercy. And God's not at our mercy. Uh, he, he can do whatever he wants to do. Scripture makes that clear. He is sovereign and he does what he pleases. That's what the book of Psalms says that he, he does. God does as he pleases. He is sovereign and in control. He doesn't need us doing something so that way we can um, untie his hands and so he can do something. That's not how that works. The next extreme she talks about, she said several different things, that she, but she said the word extreme. And some people may have thought that I was saying that her word was extreme, but I was not saying it was extreme. She said the word she heard was extreme. And she went on to elaborate on this other than extreme obedience. She said that she that the Lord told her there would be extreme victories this year, that there would be extreme faithfulness, and that she said we are to be faithful to him at all times. I don't know about you, and I'll just be very transparent. I, can, I can't be faithful to God at all times. And I realize that because I am fallible. I have not been in my glorified state. The last time I checked, um, I'm still being progressively sanctified every day. I, I sin um, often, and not, not because I want to. It's because I realize there is still a sinful nature there. And I thank God that he has his son sitting at the right hand of him and that he is ever interceding for me because Lord knows I need him interceding for me as my high priest. And I know that he has cleansed me from unrighteousness and that I can walk in his ways and be empowered uh, by the Holy Spirit to be led by the Holy Spirit. But I also realize that I still have a sinful nature there because we live in a fallen world and we can see this all around us because of the fall. There is still that area there of judgment and we are all going to die. That's part of the, the, the curse as well. That's part of the fallenness of the sinfulness of man because death entered because of what Adam did. I'm thankful that I don't believe this word because I don't, I, I want to be faithful to God, but I know that I can't be faithful to him at all times because then that puts a, that puts an unnecessary burden on me that I cannot fulfill. I want to be faithful to God, but for me to say, I have to be faithful at all times, it, it puts me in this state and it puts you in this state, if you believe it, that you're, you're gonna, you always have to do this, these, all these things in order to be faithful. And if you're not, then you're going to fall into condemnation is what's going to happen. If you don't feel like you measure 
up to the to that standard rather than realizing the finished work of Christ on the cross is the standard and he's already fulfilled what he needs to for us and that we put our faith and hope in him and our trust and we rest in what he did and that we are ever every day conformed to his image by the working of the Holy Spirit within us and by his word renewing our minds as I've talked about that puts us at at rest and that we're not having this burdensome shackle put on us to do this. I hope that that makes sense. She also talked about extreme moves that God told her that there would be people moving forward and there'd be people moving backward. Kind of like a chessboard is what she said. She said there would be extreme movements. And this is where she mentioned the rise of the Deborahs. In this extreme moves and the body, we will see extreme movements and one of those extreme movements that I begin to see is the rise of the Debras. And they will be mantled with authority from their father in heaven. And many will say that they've come out of nowhere. I begin to actually hear that being said out loud. They've come out of nowhere. Look, they came out of the woodwork. They've come out of nowhere. And the Lord says, say not that they've come out of nowhere. For these are the ones that have come out of their prayer closet. These are the ones that have come out from the backside of the desert. These are the ones who have come out of a season of preparation. And God began to show me. He said, I've called many to this place. Many, many to this place. And I actually began to see men of God that the Lord had called to this place. And many said no to him. In their different ways, they began to say no. And so the Lord said, and so now I will use the ones that have been counted out and have been deemed as weak. And the Lord says, I will empower them with my spirit and with my wisdom. And I began to see the rise of the Debras. I saw like a massive tsunami waves, just waves of this, this rise of Deborah's and the waves were crashing down and I began to see religion just being broken up and the dry land being saturated by the power and the presence of God. And the Lord began to speak to me about the Deborah's and he was telling me they are needed. Thank you, Jesus. And they began to rise up the Deborah's. They were popping up all over. And I heard the Lord say, I'm going to cause my daughters in Zion to arise in this season to great, great levels of authority and great levels of influence. And the Lord began to show me these massive movements and he began to speak to me. And I heard this. I heard this. Deborahs are not feminist. These Deborahs are not feminist. These Debras move in holiness. The Debras move in holiness. And so there was going to be a biblical balance that the women of God were going to carry in them. And they were going to be committed and submitted to the word of God. And they were going to be loyal to their heavenly father. She went on to talk about extreme giving, extreme glory, coming back to the gatherings. And I actually want to touch on a few scriptures with this because she said she saw gatherings. She saw another vision. And she saw gatherings where the glory was so tangible that people were trying to cup it and put it in their hands. They were trying to grab it. Immediately, I thought, eh, this is not a great scripture. I cannot imagine being in the glory of God, which there were services that, you know, we would talk about, oh, the glory showed up. But there were people videoing it with their phones. 
And there were people that were still standing up and there were people that were yawning and there were people that were just act like they were bored. And there were people that were not having the response that we see in scripture to the glory of God. And so we can see in scripture uh, when we ask the question, does what Jenny just said agree with scripture? Well, let's have a look. Second Chronicles chapter five, verse 14 tells us when God's glory filled the temple, the priest could not stand there to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. And this is when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. If we go to Exodus chapter 40, verse 35, and it says, Moses was unable to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. We go to 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 11. It says, So that the priest could not stand there to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 2. The priests were unable to enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled it. Based on what these scriptures say, I have a really hard time um, believing that this vision that she saw is accurate. Because if we were standing in the glory of God, if anyone was standing, we would die without having been glorified already and with him in heaven for all eternity and in his presence and having physically died because we all will die and then comes judgment is what Hebrews says. It is appointed for man to die and then comes judgment. If we were to encounter, truly encounter the glory of God in our physical bodies right now that are unglorified, we would die. Scripture does not support what she's saying. And he goes on to talk about that the extreme glory and all of the things she just mentioned are all tied to extreme obedience. And this is what she said about that. Just getting set free under this extreme glory. You are going to see it. And all of this is connected to extreme obedience. God is not going to pour out extreme glory on disobedient churches and disobedient people that are just doing their own thing and they got a whole bunch of mixture. This is for those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. Yep. So it's for special people, special people that are willing to do these things and to obey what she's what she's saying is God is telling her extreme obedience, which again, I would just say that God's word always already tells us that we are to be obedient to him. There are commands in scripture to be obedient to him. And then if we love God, that we'll keep his commandments. You know, Jesus even said that. So we don't need this prophetic word in order to know that we are to obey God. Uh, she talked about extreme evangelism, that it would shock the world and, and shock pastors because pastors had not, she said that they, the pastors would look at people be, as that they had not sent them out and equipped them and that they were um, shocked that they were able to have extreme evangelism. Now, what their definition of evangelism is, I don't know. And, and I honestly, I'm not saying that to be mean or facetious. I don't know. I don't know if it's true evangelism or not, or if it's miracle signs and wonders, a focus on that, and then just saying God loves you, but there's no gospel pres- presented. She talked about extreme weather patterns that would come, and um, she she told people to repent for not listening to God and giving their yes to God. Also, at the end, she talked a little bit about numbers and the number 23. And I wanted to play just a little bit of that. And I know that this is a longer podcast today, and I apologize, but I feel like this is relevant to talk about. And then I'm going to share some uh, closing thoughts as far as considerations for the day before we end. But I did want to play this for you because I found this interesting. Go to the man of God. And God is going to begin to pour out divine wisdom and revelation. But the answer is in his people. The answer is in the word of the Lord. 
Now, the word of the Lord, before we get to the number 23 thing, the word of the Lord she's talking about is prophecy, the modern prophet, prophetic word. No, actually, the answers that we need are in the written word of God, the word of the Lord. That's the real word of the Lord there. But notice what she said there. She's saying, she and prior to this, she was talking about how um, the people were saying, you know, go to Joseph. And she said, you know, that's the instruction. Go to the prophet. Go to the man of God. And that's where the, she says, that's where the answers are found in God's people and in the word of God. No, ma'am. The, the answers that we seek are found in scripture. They're found in the word of God. Period. End of sentence. No need to elaborate on that. That's where the answers that you are searching for and I am searching for, my friend, that's where they are found in the Word of God. That's where they are found. I wanted to also uh, give you this scripture. Well, first I'm going to give you this because I looked up the number 23. Now I'm going to give you a foundation of what I believe so that you know that this is solid. I do not do numerology. I do not play at all with angel numbers all that mess that is demonic and if you follow me you know that i do believe that in the word of god we can see throughout the whole word that the lord uses numbers and patterns to begin to speak to his people now numbers are significant in scripture but what she's getting ready to do here is questionable because she's going to ascribe the number 23 because she found it on biblestudy.org on um, a particular uh, article that was found, which I ended up finding it. She didn't cite the source on there when she said it, and so I had to look for it, but biblestudy.org, the meaning of the number 23. But she is ascribing that article that she read. It's under the, the heading number 23 in war, and she reads that. And I'm not going to read it here because she I'll play that what she says. But she the problem is that she is ascribing what that says there to confirm that this is a prophetic word for 2023. And again, that's not how any of this works. And even if it there was 23,000 males that were um, counted as far as being Levites, which is she's getting ready to read, that doesn't confirm what her word is for 2023. That doesn't have anything to do with being extreme. That has nothing to do with this. And she's also going to later cite Psalm 23 and read it by memory and and talk about that. You know, that's her favorite Psalm, and I appreciate that. She ascribes the fact that because it's Psalm 23, that that is also confirming. That is omen reading to a certain point. That is ascribing that is ascribing the meaning of those numbers, which are not divinely inspired, by the way. That is ascribing those numbers to have a prophetic meaning, which is awfully, it's scaring the daylights out of numerology and all this other stuff and looking kind of similar to it. And I would just encourage you, yeah, take note of, of numbers in Scripture that has significance to them. There are certain numbers that have significance in Scripture. That does not mean that we prescribe it for our life in order to see if God's talking to us in other ways. Ugh, that's not how any of this works. It's so frustrating sometimes. But let's keep listening to what else she had to say for just a little bit longer. God meets his sea, and I read it, and I said, you know what? This is actually confirmed with the word of the Lord concerning the number 23. And so it says that in at least one instance, the number 23 conveys the meaning that a special group of people is reserved by God for his service. And therefore, 
they were ineligible to fight. On God's command, um, Moses had counted the men of Israel who were 20 years old or older, and they began to bring all of these men that were eligible to fight, and they brought them, and it was thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of men. But there was one special group, however, that was not counted towards those who would be eligible to fight uh, the enemies of Israel. The tribe of Levi was consecrated to serving the Lord. They represented the substitutes to God's claim of the firstborn in Israel that were saved from the death angel. And I began to see that. And I said, okay, Lord, what are you speaking here? And I believe that the Lord was, this is why I had to question it because I said, Lord, I want to fight. I'm ready to fight. Let's do some spiritual warfare. I'm always down. I'm like, let's go. Let's cast out devils. Let's go. Let's go. And I began to hear the Lord speak to me about the condition of his people. And the Lord said that many of you have already had season after season after season, which seems like a lifetime of fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And God is calling you to a place of deep concentration, extreme obedience to him. And I begin to see the Lord rise up and begin to fight the battle for you. In the year of 2023, yes, we are. We know that we, we're on the battlefield for our Lord. Amen. We're soldiers in the army of the Lord. But many of you, you've been going ahead of God and you've been the one trying to figure it all out. And you have not learned to rest in God. She continues to go on. She elaborates on all you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And she, um, I, like I said, she refers to Psalm 23 and kind of uses it in a subtle way, but says Psalm 23. And that really leaves the implication. Oh, 2023, Psalm 23, this confirms it. Again, that's not how any of this works with prophecy. And I would just encourage you in your Bible study time, yes, under again, understand the importance of numbers in Scripture, that they do have certain meanings to them if they're repetitive, but that does not mean that you prescribe it for your life. It doesn't mean you prescribe it for 2023 or 2024 or 2025 or any other year for that matter, and it doesn't mean you prescribe it for any part of your life. When we take all this into consideration, as we're closing out today, and I, and I have, as always, I have thoughts for consideration, because again, I'm, I don't want to attack anybody. That's not the goal of this. When we look at this, we're looking at the teachings. We're not personally going after the individual. We're looking at the teachings. And that's what I would encourage you to do. We never want to attack anybody. We want to go after what is being taught, what is being presented, is it biblical, and to address those things accordingly. Taking all of these things into consideration... You know, we've talked about that God does command obedience from us. There's no prophetic word needed to tell us this. Scripture tells us this over and over again. We're not called to be Jehu. We're not called to be Deborah. You know, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of times that people have made claims about that, about the, the, the Deborahs are rising and the Esthers are rising. And, you know, Jenny's talking about extreme obedience, but then there's disobedience when it comes to the word of God and what it says as far as the roles that women are to play. Uh, there are numerous words telling of the word of God being necessary. And, um, and I, I find that interesting. I mean, I'm glad that there's that people are saying that. But having said that, if the word of God is necessary, then we don't need your extra prophetic words. We don't need them because the word of God is sufficient. Second Timothy three sixteen seventeen tells us that the word of God is God breathed and it's profitable for for rebuke, for reproof, for instructing, uh, for training up in righteousness. And so we don't need these extra prophetic words. 
And if they agree with scripture, as, as I've said before, I think John Owen said this, if they agree with scripture, it's not necessary. And if it doesn't agree with scripture, it's false. So you're in a pickle with some of the, with, with people that are espousing these prophetic words. And the fact that they're saying, well, you need to be biblically literate, which again is good advice. That's a good thing to tell someone, but you don't need a quote prophetic word to know this. You simply need to read the more sure word of prophecy. That's what you and I both need. And I think about the fact too, a lot of people are coming out with and saying, and I did the same thing of saying, well, God gave me this one single word. God said fire to me, or he said intimacy to me, or he said reset or acceleration or breakthrough or extreme or, you know, all these established and the ones we've heard today. And you are going to be really hard pressed. You're not going to find words in scripture of a single word like that, that the prophets did that, that they said, well, you know, this is what the, the word of the Lord today is transpire. The word of the Lord today is extinguish. The word of the Lord today is, we could go on and on, but you won't find the prophets in there doing this type of thing. That's very vague and it's very general. They did not say that. Now, the false prophets would say, peace, peace. And I think that that's something to to take note of when you see how the false prophets uh, conducted themselves, which just a couple of passages I would recommend to you to read. Jeremiah 23 is a well-known passage about the false prophets. And I think it's important to point out that when God talks about the false prophets and the judgment that's coming upon them that he brings in the Old Testament, when he talks about the prophets that came to Israel and spoke falsely, he tells them in Jeremiah 23, 16, uh, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no, disaster shall not come upon you. And he goes on in verse 21 to say, I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. And he goes on to talk about how they've had visions and dreams and such, and, and his his rebuke of that. And these false prophets were prophesying from their own vain imaginations. I mean, even Ezekiel 13, which is another one that I would encourage you to read that talks about the false prophets being condemned. The word of the Lord, verse one, came to me. This Ezekiel says, son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying and say to those who prophesy from their own hearts, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets have been like jackals among ruins, O Israel. You have not gone up into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel that it might stand in battle for the, in the day of the Lord. They have seen false visions and lying divinations. They say declares the Lord when the Lord has not sent them and yet they expect him to fulfill their word. Have you not seen a false vision and uttered a lying divination whenever you have said declares the Lord, although I have not spoken? I would read that entire chapter. I think that that would be very helpful to you. And in closing, I told you I had a word for you. And I do indeed have a word for you, but it's actually coming from somebody else. And it's a much needed word that everybody is to hear. And even those of us that are born again, we hear it every day. And it and I'm telling you, when I hear this, it brings tears to my eyes because I think, oh, it's beautiful. This is what I need to hear every single day. This is what unbelievers need to hear every single day. This is a more sure word of prophecy. Now, mind you, 
what you're getting ready to hear, this is a compilation of everything you can find in scripture. But you're getting ready to hear something that is so vital and so necessary. And this is what believers should be proclaiming and professing and, and pursuing, not this other stuff, this other fluff that is, that can't even be verified if it's the word of God. And then trying to use other tactics to try to validate and verify that it is the word of the Lord. This right here is what is to be proclaimed by every believer in Christ. Have a listen. Sent forth his son, who was not born of ordinary generation, but was born of a virgin. Yes, the virgin birth matters. Why? Because if he's born of ordinary generation, he's born in sin. But because he's not born of ordinary generation, he's not born in sin. He's clean of sin. His record is clean. And he keeps his record clean. And he obeys God's law. And because he's fully God and fully man, he obeys the law of God on our behalf in his active obedience. And then in his passive obedience, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. All we like sheep had gone astray. Each of us had turned to his own way, but God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And Christ died for sin once for all, the just for the unjust. And God imputes our sinfulness to him. And he nails our sinfulness to the tree. And Christ dies and raises again on the third day for our justification. And there's another imputation. The righteousness of Christ is actually imputed to us. So that God can be both just and the justifier of the one who places faith in Jesus Christ so that all those who come to Christ may enter in so that all those who place faith in Christ might be saved but not only saved but sanctified because he's the firstborn of many brethren we're justified and we're adopted into the family of God and we're sanctified and as his children we begin to bear the family resemblance and we're further sanctified throughout this life by the very same gospel that saves us until one day when it's all said and done we're not just saved from the penalty of sin we're not just saved from the power of sin but one day we're glorified and saved from the very presence of sin that's the gospel that we preach that's the gospel that we need and that's the gospel that's more than enough my dear friend The gospel is enough. The gospel of Jesus Christ is enough. And these vague prophecies, they are not the gospel. And the question that I would pose with all of this, is the gift of prophecy that's being stated that is prophecy in these examples, is that the same type of prophecy that we see as the spiritual gift in Scripture? This is not a negation of the spiritual gifts. I believe in the spiritual gifts in accordance with Scripture. But the question is, is this the gift of prophecy or are these people actually prophets that we see in Scripture? These are the questions that need to be asked and they need to be honestly considered. And we need to realize that the more sure word of prophecy is the gospel, the gospel, the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. That right there is a concise presentation of the gospel. It is beautiful. It is glorious and is what we are to proclaim And what we are to bring to our remembrance every day to remember from what we have been saved and who has saved us. 
And I want to encourage you in this coming year, stay in the word. Don't get distracted by things like this. Don't get distracted when people are saying that they have a word from the Lord. And don't be afraid to test these things when people say them. They are to be tested. They are to be tested because we want to glorify Christ. This is not about being exalted. It's not about us being promoted or anything like that. This is about exalting Christ and glorifying Him and honoring His Word. Honoring the Word that He has given us. This is what we are to obey. And anybody who puts their name, puts God's name on something, they are ascribing that same level of authority that you are to obey what God says. And we need to remember that. I want to leave you with the gospel. I want you to remember, if you're a born again believer, remember from what you have been saved. Remember what Christ did for you. Ask God to give you a desire and a passion to read and to study his word this year and to abide in his word. John 8, 31, 32, Jesus told those who were listening to him. He said, truly, truly, if you are my disciples, you will abide in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If we are his disciples, we will abide in his word. This written word that he has given us, this is most certainly God speaking. And you can be sure of that. I hope that this helped you today. If you want to reach out to me, you can. You can email me at dawn at lovesubscribe.com. And if you don't mind, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please uh, consider leaving me a five-star review on the podcasting platforms. I look forward to being with you next time as we getting further into biblical truths and wanting to glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be blessed today by the truth of God's Word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at Lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to Lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.